This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be favorite episodes of Daily V. This lunch got into some real insights, some different thinking, and some really powerful stuff here in Toronto. It's oxygen to me. It's how everything works. You know, and if you do it great, you're getting people to do things for the right reasons, you know, and that's cool. Branding and propaganda can get very close, right? Um, And that's why I throw in for the right reasons, because that's long term. but to me, it's not being at the mercy of anybody. I think what I like about my life is I'm not at the mercy of anybody. And a lot of that has to do with branding and just my own kind of like lack of expectation of others, which makes it all upside, which is good. Um, so I think it's, I think to me, that's what's been so interesting about the auto industry is technology has stepped right in the middle of you and the end consumer in a meaningful way. And they have the leverage. I mean, the amount of referral business that goes on in this world, the amount of money dealerships pay for referrals in one shape or form is a bad macro economic structure. It's unbelievably expensive. Not only is it unbelievably expensive, the referrers are being kind to you still. They have all the leverage. Apple one day decided it was 30% big on the app. Right? That, you know, if you guys know what goes on in the Apple world, like when you transact there, Apple's big is 30%. Do you know how crazy? That's a big number. Yeah. You know, if one player in the referral business decides to double the fee because they can afford to, they'll all be double and you're going to do nothing about it. You have no leverage. Brand is the only thing that can stop that. Got it? Brand's the one thing that goes from utility to emotional. So I have a quick question about, it goes along with branding, but like, so our dealer group, we have 12 stores. Um, and not all of them are named the same, but we're, uh, our name is Faf, and we're trying to brand the name Faf and get the name out there. But we have a Porsche dealership, a McLaren dealership, um, some luxury high-end dealerships. What is more important to, to focus on, the Porsche name, the McLaren name, or to keep branding as Faf and get Faf. the name out there? It's not even close. It's, it, it's not even a close debate. So that's what we've been on the path of doing. It's so much, if, it's so much, of not, it's so important that if that was my family business and I looked at the contracts and there was a way for us to fire somebody not doing it and they were the biggest economic driver, I would spend all my life convincing my dad we had to fire them. That's how much of a non-debate it is. So, so should we switch all the new acquisitions that we've got to the name FAF as well? You should do whatever you think is right, Jamie, but if I, if, if, you're, if, if I was part of the business and I had say, it would be the only thing I'd care about. It's the answer that I just gave the gentleman there. It's the only thing I would care. It's the only, brother, it's the only thing you got. It's the only thing you have. It doesn't feel like that, right? That doesn't win the sprint. Porsche wins the sprint. Baths wins the marathon. We were having the same conversation I actually I'll admit, I said opposite. I get it. Right? Because, because, because the end consumer is mm-hmm. the pers- person buying, so. Because you're right about that, but you're just not playing out the chess of it all. Okay, can you walk you're, through it? Sure, in four years when Porsche sends you an email and says you've got 18 months and we're out, you're gonna be like, fuck. 
<laughs> there you go. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you, can sell, you can still sell the you oranges or the, or yeah, the lawnmowers the lawnmower. yeah. or the pre-owned oh, anything. But Jamie, yeah. on that note, guys, I'm going to say yeah, it. I want to make sure you understand it. Nintendo was a playing card company. Nintendo started as a playing card company. I started off as a wine merchant. Like, I get it. But I actually usually think the number one move when shit is interesting is to leverage while you've got it the building of the other thing with the assumption that the first thing might not even be there at all and then taking it all as upside. And then you can get smart, right? Like, so the way to get, the orange is kind of silly. Lawnmower's a little bit closer. But what about, why can't you guys start the coolest air refreshment thing in a car company out of your little one stop? Like, why couldn't somebody here create the $10 premium air refresher, you know, I just think of it as like, I don't know if people, like, you know, like, why not? You could. And you'd have pretty much as much permission to do it as anybody else. I'll go, I'll go a different place with you. I think that BMW and Porsche and Mercedes should be going into other sectors. I'll go the reverse. I think if I'm at Mercedes and I'm the CEO, I would be creating an Alexa, Google Home, Apple HomePod competitor because I have permission because of my brand to be behind engineering and high quality product. I would, why should Braun be the biggest razor in the world? Like, I would buy BMW's razor. So, you know, you gotta think about where you have permission to hedge. Some of these guys are already doing stuff like that, like making bicycles and making this and making like Makes this. sense. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Motorcycles for Harley Davidson. That's, that's you know, right. Like you can that's buy right. anything that's branded Harley Davidson. Because Harley Davidson really built a brand. They yeah. went, they, whoever was running it, I know nothing, but like whoever was running that ship in that probably that era, they went all the way. They actually, I actually think they went too far. I think of Harley Davidson similar to Playboy. I think sometimes you whore out your name so much that you dilute it, so you have to be careful. 60% of our sales are in motor clothes rather than actual physical motorcycles. Which, by the way, may be great. Like, if, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you look at margin. You know, my dad's business, I'm trying to convert Wine Library. It's called Wine Library. I'm trying to get my dad to basically become a food store. You know, I'm not a scholar. I didn't go to Yale and did a couple studies and I'm a good public speaker and wrote a book and we're having this conversation. I do what you do. I, there's never been a day since I would, from the, the day I left college at 22, I drove from Boston to New York, to New Jersey, to home, and from four, I got there at 418 and worked from 418 to 7.30 before we, me and my dad went home. This is the day I left college. From that moment on to the second I'm sitting here right now, I have never not operated as a CEO of business in my life. Even in the transition between Wine Library and the building of Gary Vee, I was the CEO of VaynerMedia. Yes, I was a little more passive than AJ was, but it wouldn't be there without me. So, I'm a, you know, I, I, I don't say this stuff in theory. This is not theory for me. This is not intellectual. This is practical reality. I think in the way I communicate, it feels hyperbolized, because I'm a showman. But now I'm an interesting part of my career because now I have some history behind me that makes it a little, it's a little harder to completely laugh me off the stage, you know? Because you keep winning that much, it's hard. That's why I built VaynerMedia. Madison Avenue, tough place, big companies, holding companies, billion dollar companies. He's just a Twitter kid. Everybody made, I, the articles are on the internet. Twitter boy thinks he can win in Madison Avenue. This fucking kid, he didn't, they didn't say that. This guy thinks, <laughs> no, that's what they wanted to say. This guy thinks he's a big shot. It's a lot harder to build a Madison Avenue agency is than to get some Twitter followers. 
VaynerMedia is the fastest growing organic top line revenue agency in the history of the business. Seven years, $150 million, no M&A, all organic, no cash infusion. That doesn't happen because I'm charismatic. That happens because I operate. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle work-life balance? Communication. Good answer. <laughs> communication. I was thinking um, what my wife would have said that. Day, day, yeah. You know, day trading, day trading <laughs> communication. <laughs> if my wife texts me right now and she's like, fuck this, I won't go to Chicago right now. I'll fly home and then I'll talk until it's not fuck this. Now, a lot of it was back to making good strategies. Like, I, at a young age, knew who I needed to marry. I, I didn't know it. You know, us guys, and we're mainly guys here, when you're younger, you're like, you want your girl to be obsessed with you, this, that. I didn't realize how desperately I needed to marry somebody who was super independent and had her own shit and was her own, you know? That's funny to me in hindsight of the teenage me would have never thought that, right? Um, so my wife's super her own person. And she's a stay-at-home mom, but from a framework, she doesn't need me, you know, kind of, which is interesting. Um, and then an extremism. So Monday through Friday when I'm on the field, it's 7 a.m. to midnight. And then on the weekends I'm completely, completely checked out and home and I take seven full weeks of vacation. Completely checked out. Hmm. And that's it, extremism. Something that won't work for most. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's going on in somebody's bedroom, right? But I don't let any, I'll tell you how I, re- I'll give you another answer the maybe even more important communication, I'm just not interested in your guy's opinion on my parenting style. Too many people are pandering to the current state of political correctness of parenting. Everybody has their own way. Right? That's right, everybody, and I'm empathetic to it, I get it, but I actually, I actually am on the record of this, I do believe this co-parenting concept will be looked upon in 100 years from now as wrong. I do not believe in two cooks in a kitchen. There's no such thing as co-CEOs. So you leave everything to the side? Or him, I think, I, think in tw- I think in 70 years, I think people are gonna get, if, I think in 70 years, I think we all know couples where when you look at their DNA, the woman or the man should be at work, the woman or the man should be at home. Mm-hmm. So I think we went through woman at home, man, now we're living through another, you know, starting to get into like a co-parenting thing, and we'll do this for another 20, 30 years, I think our kids, and probably more likely our grandkids, are gonna be really smart and audit with each other and be like, You're higher, you have a higher capacity to earn, I have a higher capacity to nurture, and then let's go, because boy, I know 10 couples where the woman's at home and she's 50 fucking times more capable than the guy, <laughs> and, and I know equally as many couples where she's a disaster and not nurturing at all, and he's the most lovely thing of all time. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the future of parenting. I think so. I think it's practical. Thank you. Bon appetit. What's your biggest miss? Um, my biggest miss is definitely the things that I haven't done, so I don't know them in detail, because that's my biggest issue, crippled by opportunity, right? Uh, the bl- biggest misses black and white are I was super right about YouTube. A company called Vidler came along and gave me 7% of their company to move my wine library show to Vidler. And I stopped producing for YouTube up until a year and a half ago. And I left ungodly amounts of branding on the table over the last decade. I passed on Uber's angel round twice. If you guys go 
take out a library, crush it, my first book, I only acknowledge one person in my acknowledgements besides my parents, my family, and that's Travis, the CEO of Uber, because he's a dear friend of mine, and I passed on a friend of mine's company twice, (laughs) and it ended up being Uber. So that's pretty black and white. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't answer the email that reads like this. Hey Gary Vee, we're huge fans. We desperately want you to invest in our company. We'd love to have a meeting. Didn't even reply to the email. That came from Airbnb. So I have real, I mean, I was so right that I have such real losses. You know, because you couldn't get them all, right? I don't have, I don't have the losses, I don't have the losses that most people have because I've never done anything financially that could hurt me really bad. I'm stunned by people's ability to do things that can put you out of business. Like overextending yourself. I don't do that. Now I'm not, if I don't have the cash, I don't do that, I'm willing to borrow. I mean I got a lease at Hudson Yards that scares the shit out of me, right? but those are a little more calculated. One of the biggest reasons I built my personal brand is I, I used Gary Vee as an insurance policy for my life. Like, if all else fails, I can make $20 million a year speaking and writing books. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said in my life, but it's true, and it's, and it's, and it's awesome, you know? So, I think I did that, but I also did it for branding. VaynerMedia doesn't pit do RFPs. We're just, I, last week, Five of the biggest 500 businesses in the world called me directly and said, will you take our business? That's called brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So we don't have a sales team. We don't have a head of new business. Mm-hmm. And we're the fastest growing, it's bring them, let the market come to you. The person that asks gives up the leverage. Right? Yeah. Sales, that's why it's hard. The way I knew the internet was gonna be big, the way I knew e-commerce, the way email and Google AdWords, I was building, you know, by not being educated, by not knowing rich people, I came from like a very funny place. I, don't, I didn't know a lot of stuff. I didn't even know venture capital existed. So I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is interesting. I'm good at things. Like, this is not a joke. I'm like, I understand, I'm not a good salesman. I'm not a good wine merchant. I'm good at things. Like, that's how I think. So I started reading everything about YouTube selling for $2 billion. And I don't know if you guys remember when YouTube sold for $2 billion. It was 1.7. It was in 2007 or 8. I don't remember exactly. But if you remember, that was like a trillion dollars at the time. Remember? That was like, now we throw around a billion, right? At the, good, I'm glad you guys remember. For kids, they, you know, they can, that was like a trillion. So I was like, dude, that's a trillion's a lot. Like if I woke up this morning and Snapchat sold for a trillion or something else over, I'd be like, whoa, that's a lot. So it hit me that hard and it was something that I understood as one of the first 50,000 people to ever understand. So I'm like, there's something in that. In that digging, I read about angel investors. Then I Googled angel investor. That's why, that's why I always give this advice. I'm yeah. not like, and I'm like, oh, you can, invest in companies? Like, I'm being serious with you. This may sound like, there's certain things I'm good at, there's certain things I'm not. Before they go on the stock market, then I started really getting into tech. And I was like, this is gonna eat the world. I'm like, that's when I basically binarily overnight decided everything that's happening now will basically eat up everything. Everything. And so I started really learning, I started reading TechCrunch every day. And then I went to South by Southwest at 2007. And at that South by Southwest, 2008, 
Twitter was exploding and everybody was shitting on it. Even the tech kids. They're like, who cares if you, because it was psychology, it wasn't utility. Everybody was like, who cares? You know, every, you'd have real tech people. The people that now you all know, like very famous and then some that you know, but, but they would sit here and I would be at the, the barbecue pit and I'm listening, right? For all my talking and I'm doing a lot of it today, I listen all the time. And I'm listening and they're like, who gives a shit if you walk the dog? This is stupid. Nobody's gonna care that you're eating pizza. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, everybody's gonna care. I'm like, that's what we do. That's what life is. We don't wanna admit it. So that's what I'm good at, right? I knew that everybody was gonna put their credit card into a computer when everybody told me they wouldn't. I knew that every, I, I knew everybody was, a hundred, every one of you is gonna retina scan everything because it's gonna save you time. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that everybody was gonna online date when everybody thought it was the weirdest shit ever in 2000. It's just time arbitrage. It will be the thing we trade on every time. I get an email from Dave Moore in the head of platform and says, Mark would love for you to come and speak to the company about why you believe this. I said, I'll be there tomorrow. I flew out to Palo Alto. I spoke in front of the company when it was the size of this conference I just gave. I only spoke about consumer behavior because at that point I thought that there was something weird about Facebook that they really were doing what I would do if I knew how to do that. So I went weird. It was the first time I'd ever spoken. I didn't even know how to articulate it, right? Uh, I didn't know Mark was there. He sat all the way in the back, slouched, came down, goes, do you want to have dinner tonight? I said, I sure do. (laughs) We had dinner. He was one of the only people I've ever met in my life that I thought had the same intuitive understanding about people as I do, which is super funny to me because the way he's portrayed in the movie is super, like, he's so not introverted. He's introverted in some ways, but in a macro, he's all time. Um, We became friendly. He would come to New York a bunch and I would see him, which are gonna be great stories one day to tell my grandkids. And one day his sister called me, Randy, and said, uh, our parents, Mark and I's parents, want to sell a bunch of stock to buy a house and we'd really like you to be part of the family. Would you like to buy some stock? And I said, I sure do. I was in the back of a taxi in Miami. I'll never forget that moment my whole life. I put in every dollar I had in my bank account except for $100,000 and I've not sold one share since. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really nice meeting you guys. Yeah, have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.